This is your weekly rundown 36. Let's get it! Welcome back to another weekly rundown. We got the episode 36 up in here. It's just uh, me and Dan tonight. Uh, Bass is still out partying with the old folks up in uh, wherever the hell he's at. I don't even know. Old folks? (laughs) (laughs) Man's in Germany, dude. Oh, yeah. Germany with the old folks. Um, He's not in um, Florida. (laughs) I guarantee there's old... I guarantee he's with a bunch of boomers. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> not yet he's out there for like the second part of his trip is for work so at that point he'll be with some oh, boomers, so this is just joy time right yeah okay. he's having he uh basically planned it out we can have fun for a couple weeks before he's got to go to this big uh oh. training at company hq so in munich, he, I think it's munich he's partying with the the younger folks right now so yeah okay. young folks into the old folks he's getting the whole spectrum i got you i got you um, He's well, when he listens to this. <laughs> well, GG's, Bass. I hope you have fun before you get to hang out with the boomers. Well, I heard the, you know, I heard like the boomers are usually the fun ones to hang out with. You know, you never know what you're gonna get. So, but uh, but this week we only got two shows this week, which is wild. This is like the first time we've ever had two shows, probably ever since we might have had a couple back in the beginning, but um. But we only got Roroni Kenshin, episode 14, and Jujutsu Kaisen, episode 11. Because One Piece has done a special DeBardo secret room or something. I don't watch that shit, so. Yeah, we're getting a recap of Luffy versus Kaido. So I might go watch it. I haven't yet, but that's just like a gas fight scenes. So like, I might go watch that one, but I don't want to. Have it is? Yeah, it's just recapping the fight. Oh, I just seen Bardo's secret room, and I just never paid attention to those. But the problem is it has Bartow freaking like narrating the whole thing. And I don't want to listen to that. I might watch it on mute. I don't know. <laughs> you don't like Bardo, bro? I don't want him narrating the best fight in One Piece. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> bro, that's wild. Um, but yeah, uh, so for yo for those that don't know, um, we've posted there in Discord several times, but we're actually doing a weekly rundown battle episode this Thursday on our DGN episode. Uh, do you want to get into it, Dan? Yeah, so we're going to be watching three shows. Uh, Free Run is one of them. The next show is Shangri-La Frontier, which has two episodes out. And then the last show is Undead Unlock, which had its first episode drop this weekend. Basically, we're going to be taking a look at all three shows making a decision on which ones we like. And then we're also letting our listeners vote for it in the discord. If they want to really hear us talk about one of these shows. I mean, I think free run is kind of their front runner right now. So expect that on future rundowns. You've got about five episodes to catch up on at this point. Yeah. But so we're basically figuring out which two shows are going to join one piece, JJK and Roni Kenshin for the fall rundown. Yep, and um, we do like like Dan said, we're having a poll in Discord. Um, 
letting our listeners uh, decide. And I'll probably be posting a poll on Twitter as well. Um, as far as other socials, I don't think I can really make polls, but um, GG's uh, Twitter and Discord uh, will, your voices will be heard. <laughs> like 40% of your voices will be heard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> obviously as the host we do get a little extra say in this because we gotta make sure we're gonna enjoy what we're talking about so but i've enjoyed all three shows so far yeah i think the shangri-la frontier i think the second episode dropped like today too right or Uh, i dropped over the weekend huh i dropped over the weekend i watched it i thought it was over the weekend i watched it yesterday yeah it was one day bro It, it was I, I don't even know what day it is, honestly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I guess since we're done talking about that, uh, like I said, make sure y'all join Discord or follow the Twitter. That way you can vote in our polls. Uh, linktree.com slash anime DGENs or just Google anime DGENs. We're, we're, you know, Worldwide, the top baby. results. So, Worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I think Dan's going to get us into Rurouni Kenshin, episode 14. Yeah, let's do it. So first, we're going to talk about Kenshin. Uh, the episode is called Yahiko's Battle. So we're focusing it on a different character than we have recently. So Yahiko, the sole student of the Kamiya Dojo, has started to step away from his training from time to time. He says he's merely going on a little stroll, but it's clear that he takes his swordsmanship training very seriously, and it doesn't look like he's ditching to slack off. Curious about what he's doing, Kenshin, Kaoru, and Sonosuke decide to follow him. What exactly is Yahiko doing? And we're going to get right into that. <laughs> so before we get into that, uh, did you listen to the new opening? I did. I thought it was kind of gas. Yeah, I was. Um, I think, honestly, I think I liked the old one better. Um, Not saying that this one is worse or this one... Or the the other one is, you know, way, way better. I just think I like the old one better. This one is still good, though. I really enjoyed it. I think what makes it not as good for me is that the the visuals, honestly. There wasn't a lot going on. Yeah, I was going to agree with that. It's kind of like a weird blue, like, it looks like a dance hall room or something like that. And you have flashes of all the characters. And there's like, you, there's a cool scene where it's Kenshin, two Kenshins, one's blue and one's red. <laughs> so it's kind of like the Roni Kenshin, the Ronin Kenshin, and the Manslayer in parallels and how they work together. So I thought that was cool. But I thought the song was really fun. Yeah. It had a lot of trumpets and stuff in it. And I was a big fan of ska music back in the day. So that got me vibing. Yeah. And I think at one point, uh, there's just like a, a big Kenshin head like rotating. So (laughs) I was like, what are we doing, bro? (laughs) But yeah, I'm down for the music. The music was uh, pretty good, honestly. Yeah, definitely. But so the episode starts off, uh, Yahiko is missing. And we get the gang trying to figure out where he is and what he's doing. And everybody's got their own little theory. Sano thinks he's got a girl on the side, you know, a little Rizhiko instead of Yahiko. (laughs) Kairu's just pretty sure he's eating snacks, calling him a greedy bastard because she's not, he's not sharing. And Kenshin, of course, being Kenshin, thinks he's hard at work practicing his swordsmanship. <laughs> so Yahiko returns and he tells Kenshin he was on a walk and he confronts him like, you shouldn't be missing, missing your sword practice. 
Yahiko gives us some shit like, hey, man, I make four or six days a week. I do my morning stuff like I'm fine. Leave me alone. Storms off. And he tries to leave the next day and we get a little bit of a an espionage episode. We got we got the gang tailing him to see what he's up to. <laughs> yeah, th- this was this was actually wild. But I, I, I told you last week that this week is going to be kind of a, a more chill week for uh, Roroni Kenshin. I think I think it was, honestly, but I enjoyed this episode a lot. Yeah, it was uh, definitely more chill than the action packed battle against the Oni Waban group. But it's still like it had a lot of character growth for Yahiko. So I like seeing that. It did. So the gang tails them and they go to none other than the hot pot restaurant that they've been to multiple times through this first season. And is this, sorry, is this uh, is this the one where they met uh, Sanosuke and at two? So this is like the central focus point of the it's the same joint. Yeah. OK, OK. okay. <laughs> and uh, so it turns out they're like, oh, he's sneaking off for food. And they walk in looking for him to basically confront him. And it turns out he's working a little secret part-time gig, you know, earning some money. And they talk to the waitress and she lets him out back. And it turns out, like I said, he's working. So he's like collecting coal for the fires. And there's a new character introduced to, Subame. And, you know, Asano's like, oh, I told you it was about a girl. (laughs) You know, Yahiko's working on his Riz. He's chasing down this girl. That's why he's working here. But it turns out that she started working there after him. So that's not the case. <laughs> of course, the funniest thing of this episode was Subame starts talking to Yahiko and keeps calling him Yahiko-chan, which is little Yahiko. <laughs> and this royally pisses Yahiko off the entire time. <laughs> I was dying laughing, bro. Like, she just kept on saying it. And he's like, don't call me little. Please stop calling me little. <laughs> Like, sorry, Yahiko Chan. I mean, Ooh. Yahiko Kun. <laughs> it was hilarious. But yeah, so they keep talking about it like, oh, maybe he's trying to earn some pocket cash. Maybe he's trying to help the dojo out with the budget, things like that. But we still haven't gotten a clear answer as to what Yahiko is doing here. So basically, Yahiko tells Subame, like, get out of here. You're weak. You can't do this shit. Like, this is man's work. This is part of my training. I'm lifting shit up. Get my legs strong. So she heads back into the restaurant and she goes to help a few uh, customer. And it, she like walks up to this pretty scary looking group of samurai. Which makes me think like, oh, we're getting into the we're getting into the meat and potatoes of who we're going to be going after this episode. Or so but, we thought. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely was the bad guys. <laughs> but it turns out. So they have been using Subame to scope this place out to get an understanding of what they have for money so they can rob the joint. And it turns out that this group is led by Lord Mikio, who is a member of the Nagaoka family, who's the former vassal of the Shogun. So, like, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, going into the Meiji area, you know, basically everybody who protected the Shogun just became normal citizens. So, like... He used to live the good life, and he's pissed. He's like, fuck the Meiji era. This shit sucks. You know, everybody yeah. in equal ground my ass. Yeah, so he, he was kind of like a Kinemon in all of them, right? Pretty much. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. So after that, um, Subami, her family has served the Nagaoka for like 300 years. 
and she tries to tell them like you shouldn't steal you're gonna give your family a bad name like think about who you are and this dude just slaps her across the face and says stay out of my shit you're a servant i'm your master this is how it's been this is how it's gonna be damn so the thing i don't understand about like this situation is that isn't her family um former vassals too no, they were like a servant family that was under the Nagaoka family. Oh, okay. So I I kind of thought that they was like kind of on the same footing, except for maybe they was like a lower, uh, lower vassal or something like that, you know? Um, so it's kind of confu- confusing to me um, based off that, but it makes sense. But the thing is, is we're not in that era no more and there is no more uh, servants, right? Yeah, like his family is just basically commoners at this point. So like this whole relationship is pretty much null and void in the Meiji era. I wonder where her like parents are like to allow this. I have no idea, dude. I mean, they didn't really go into much into her backstory, but... You know, kind of, I don't want to say a filler episode, but really more focused on Yahiko, Yahiko's development as a swordsman, you know? So I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, and you can ignore me if it is, but is Subame like a character going forward? I don't even remember. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. I, think she I didn't know if it was like a one part type of deal or like if she's like a consistent character or not. I don't remember if she becomes a reoccurring character. I, I can't tell you. It would be fun to see a uh, little Yahiko uh, risen up somebody like her. It she would. looks pretty cute, so. Yeah, man. I mean, good for him. You know, <laughs> he, he he did some risen today. Like a little uh, Kairu, so. <laughs> but yeah, so this gang was actually pretty smart. They had uh, Subame make clay molds of the keys that are used to open the owner's house and the storeroom. So, like, they're really looking to go rob this place. And when Yahiko hears this, he confronts them and basically is like, Samurai Yahiko Miyojin coming in to fuck your day up in classic <laughs> Yahiko fashion. And he's fighting pretty good. Like, he is taking people down. Like, these are full-grown men. Yahiko's taking them down. But then Miyojin, or sorry, not Miyojin, that's Yahiko's last name, um, Mikio, the leader, throws a sword at Yaiko's feet to basically ruin his footing. And these guys just gang up on him and just beat the crap out of him. So, which causes Subame to give him the molds for the keys. They leave. You know, uh, Subame is like apologizing and Yaiko's like, no, I, I meddled in this. This is my fight now. Like, don't worry about it. And he realizes it's going to take about a day to make these keys based on the clay molds to get good enough ones to actually open doors. He's like, all right, I got a night. I got a night to get ready. So basically, the next day, Yahiko is trying to figure out how to take on multiple opponents at once. He builds this really dumb looking like tool <laughs> to train with. And it's basically just a bunch of boards hanging on a it looks like something you'd hang your laundry on, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, it looks very uh, like it's not going to hold up very well. Yeah, no. And so Nosuke <laughs> and Kairu just start making fun of him. Like, that ain't going to work. Like, the movements those boards are going to make are very predictable. And when you're fighting somebody, that's not what you're going to see. So that thing isn't going to work. Jihiko gets all ticked off, storms off, asks Kenshin. He's like, hey, how do I fight multiple people at once? Just curious. 
And it turns out that during that whole scuffle, uh, Kenshin, Kaoru, and Sonosuke were listening in and understand this entire situation, so they know what's going on here. But Kenshin wants to let Yahiko have his battle, so... Yeah, I mean, that's that's the only way, you know, for Yahiko to... I mean, obviously, Yahiko don't want them involved because he's not telling them, you know? And I didn't... I kind of wanted Yahiko to go ask Kenshin to begin with because he is a master of, like, one versus many style. I mean, he that's literally his style, right? So. Yeah, but Kenshin doesn't need to wait for it to be one-on-ones. He just goes and blows everybody up with his massive strength. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that uh, Kenshin is like just saying, yeah, there is one way, and it's called like the runaway technique or something like that. I, I'm not sure what it's really called, but that's what I'm calling it, the runaway technique. And basically, he's like, just run away as fast as you can and then basically the people following you will vary in speed and the first one that catches up to you you take them down one-on-one and then just repeat that process but in my head i'm thinking you know after a while they're gonna know that you're doing this you know and obviously if you're smart you would adjust your like strategy as enemies chasing someone like that to you know, a better strategy instead of letting him continue to do 1v1, so. Yeah, I definitely like how Kenshin told him that, though, because that is a good technique. I mean, I do that in video games all the time, <laughs> you know? <laughs> they're not smart, though, the video no, game No, they're people. not. They're not smart, but it's the same thing. It's like when you're playing Ghost of Tsushima and you're fighting, like, 40 Mongolians at once. You're like, all right, take them one-on-one. We'll run in circles. <laughs> You know, I didn't I didn't expect Kenshin to come up with something like that that would actually work with uh Yahiko. So that was uh that was pretty um smart. And then he was like jokes on you though, uh you would have to have heavy leg muscles in order to do that, in order to keep up keep going and be faster than these people. So you just got to think about another way to get them one on one. It is, so, it is a pretty funny callback to earlier in the episode, though, because when Yahiko was carrying Cole, he picked up Tsubame's Cole and was like, I can carry both of these because I've been working on my lower leg strength through my swordsman training. <laughs> and so it's just tension calling him out like that's a load of horseshit, buddy. Yeah, and I, I really I laughed out loud after Kinsha said this because Clearly, the first, you know, all the shit that he just said about the runaway tactic, it's basically null and void at this point because he's like, oh, you're too, you're you're like a little weak bitch right now. <laughs> basically, he's calling him that. It's like, you just got to think of another way to do it. Think, think about it. I'm sure you can figure out a way <laughs> to make it one-on-one. Definitely, and we'll get to that way Yahiko thought of in a little bit. But the last thing that happened during all of this in the morning was um, Kaoru approached Yahiko and told him that, hey, you practice the Kamiakashin Ryu sword style. This is a life-giving sword. It's not just your destiny on the line. It's also the one that you sword protect. Therefore, you can't lose. And I mean, the entire time I'm sitting here, I'm like, is Yahiko stupid? Like, they're just making it very clear that they will know everything going on right now. He's just going right <laughs> over his head. He, he just don't. He just 
don't think that you know that they know and even though they're giving him so many context clues and stuff that they know he just i guess it just he thinks that even though he's working part job at the place that they frequent the most which is bullshit uh (laughs) (laughs) that he thinks is this is all a secret and you know he's asking for a friend and we know how asking for a friend goes so yeah (laughs) <laughs> so later that night, we see Mikio and his gang show up to rob the restaurant. And Mikio is just holding the keys out in broad daylight, shaking them like he's trying to like, <laughs> like distract a baby or something, you know, like, like just like, hey, look at these. And Yahiko storms in, steals the keys and runs away to try and create these 1v1 opportunities. And what he does is he does lead them on a chase but he basically chases, they chase him into a small alleyway that two grown man, men can't fit down. So Yohakiyo, instead of having to run away, he does create this 1v1 opportunity and he takes down like three or four guys and Mikio's like, are you guys stupid? Like, figure this out. He's just a kid. And uh, behind them, all you see is Kenshin and Sanosuke standing there and the men are like, holy shit. That cross on his, that cross-shaped scar on his face. Is he the one, the super strong guy everybody in town's been talking about? And that's Zanza for hire, the fighter. They're like, no, we're fucking getting out of here. So everybody besides Mikio retreats. And before Yahiko can look over his shoulder, those guys duck down behind the roof that they're on. So Yahiko <laughs> can't see him. And Yahiko's thinking, he's like, oh, I'm a tough guy now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that uh, I was like, where are they going with this? Uh, are they really going to do this? And then, you know, they hit. I was like, okay, I kind of see what they're doing now. Yeah, <laughs> they went into this whole they went into this whole thing about like how Kenshin can never be the kind of person to push a lion cub into a ravine to make it fight for itself. So he would never <laughs> do this to Yaiko. And Sonosuke is kind of the same way. He's like, yeah, we're just here to, you know, add a little scare factor. And so we come down to the final 1v1, Yahiko versus Mikio. And Yahiko is kind of surprised. He can actually see Mikio's sword path while fighting. So he thinks he can beat this guy. And during this, you know, they're fighting. Uh, Subame is back there yelling, like basically trying to stop this as well. And Kaoru stops her and is like, hey, this is Yahiko's fight now. Like you need to cheer for cheer him on essentially, but he's the one who's going to protect you. And she cheers for him. Uh, Mikio goes for a really low slash attack, and Yahiko, being able to like see his sword moves, steps on the blade and just knocks Mikio the fuck out with a <laughs> sword slasher right in the dome. Yeah, I was definitely worried for a minute because all these other guys, you know, they they had like wooden swords. And Yahiko obviously has a wooden wooden sword right now, but um, he, Mikio steps up and he's actually got a legit sword, a real sword. And I'm sure it's not a sword like a uh, uh, Kenshin. I'm sure it's like a legit sword. So he could have definitely done some damage to uh, to Yahiko. And I was kind of worried for a minute. I was like, how's how's a wooden sword gonna come up against a Real sword, so yeah. I mean, you're not taking down a katana with a with a uh, with a piece of wood, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, that's just, uh, I guess, very bad swordsmanship from um, uh, Mikio because if you just slash right at the, you know, center body mass, I mean, he has to block it, right? Or dodge it or something. And uh, he can't really dodge a lot because they're in an alley. So uh, I just felt like the odds was in his favor at that time. But somehow Yaiko pulls it off. Plot yeah. armor or whatever. So <laughs> I don't I wouldn't call it plot armor. I think it's just to show how far Yayiko has actually come in his swordsmanship training, you know? For sure. I mean he's he's went on journeys with uh Kenshin and Sanasuke. You know, he's even though he didn't participate very much, uh he's been around legends. So obviously if you're around legends like that and training around them, you're obviously gonna pick up some moves and uh skills. So Definitely. So after that, he defeats Mikio, uh, Subame and Kaoru come around the corner. And Yahiko's like, what the hell are you doing here, Kaoru? And then he turns <laughs> around and goes, yeah, you two guys up there. <laughs> and Kenshin and Sonosuke try and pretend they're cicad cicadas making noise. <laughs> and Yahiko's like, there's no cicadas in this time of the year. Like, what are you fucking doing? <laughs> it is this show, like, it had, like, kind of pretty kind of a lot of action in it at the end but it was like a lot of comedic relief and i really loved it so yeah they did a really good job blending at this episode so everything's good yahiko saves the day the restaurant is safe and at the end sinosuke is like well after all of this we've been through you better tell us what you're doing why you have this part-time job and it turns out that yahiko is saving up to buy a sakabato which is the reverse blade sword that Kenshin uses. And Sonosuke laughs his ass off at this. He's like, bro, <laughs> you're never going to be there. Don't even worry about it. And <laughs> Kaoru hears this and laughs it well. And yeah, he goes like, well, I know they're expensive, so I wanted to start saving up now. And Kenshin's like, yeah, dog, they cost a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling, though, that if he really wanted one and he really proved that he was worthy of one or whatever i have a feeling that kenshin would give him one so i just don't know if kenshin has another blade you know <laughs> well i mean i feel like kenshin could make enough money probably faster than yahiko and you know get him one you know what i mean yeah but yahiko being that like hard-headed kid he is would never accept it true gotta but earn, then earn his sword but Kenshin could probably do something to make him believe that he earned it. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that was the end of the episode. It was a nice little one-off, kind of one complete story in one episode, which is nice to see. So we got the closure we needed. We didn't have to wait like five episodes for this one. But uh, what did you think about the new ending? Did you listen to that or no? I listened to a lot of it. Um, I, I wasn't sure... I thought it was a new ending, but I wasn't really sure. And I didn't go back to the last episode to look and see if it was a new ending because normally, wait a second. The the other ending was the, the, the damn uh, clock ticking at first. Yeah. Yeah. I love this one way much that way better. <laughs> Screw that yeah. clock, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a good ending. The song's called uh, existence is by kid phenomenon. I thought it was a good ending. Um, you know, slower, sadder kind of sounding song. And then we got a little, I like watched through the whole thing. I was like, all right, Kenshin's going to give us a freaking end of episode, you know, 
post credit scene because they randomly do that. And sure enough, they did, but it was like just Yahiko swinging a sword. <laughs> well, good thing it's not very important because I did not watch it, so... <laughs> yeah, it was only just him in the him in the in the yard at the dojo swinging his sword. I was like, I just waited for this. <laughs> Come on, man! Literally, nothing else happened. No, they just said that that was it, and they said the name of the next episode. So we are getting into the next arc of Kenshin starting next episode. So that'll be exciting. What's the name of the next episode, for chance? Oh, uh, I don't know if I uh, top my head. Hold on. Yeah, I didn't. Uh... I didn't really uh, pay attention. I didn't make it that far into the ending. So um, I watched it like right before we started recording, kind of. So, But yeah, the new ending, I definitely liked what I heard of it better than the last one. Like I said, the last one, is it started like when you start off with the clock, you know, uh, the clock ticking, it... I don't know. I just, I just didn't never like that. Even though it got into a better pace and better sound after that, but I definitely yeah. like this one better. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. I'm trying to find. Basically, it was just like the name of the next villain. Uh, yeah, it was called like Raijuta Enters or something like that. So that's the oh, next God. villain we're getting to work for, and he's just. You'll learn a little bit about him next episode, probably. Yeah, I figured this episode would be, you know, kind of like an intro to the next arc, but. I guess I guess not. I guess this was just a little character building from Yahiko, which I definitely kind of enjoyed, though. So. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. It was a good episode. It was good to see his resolve and things like that without having like too much, too much at stake, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess that's it for Roni, right? Yeah, let's get on into JJK. Go for it. Yeah, Jujutsu Kaisen episode eleven called um I'm gonna say Seance 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 <laughs> and uh yeah uh seance but basically nanami entrusted itadori megumi and Eno with taking down the veil and they're obviously trying their best to find the cursed users responsible and to take it down and that's where we kind of start off with this episode it shows Itadori trying to punch through the veil because, you know, Itadori doesn't really think a lot and he just, uh, you know, just punches and does weird things without thinking. But obviously he's very strong and, uh, and Megumi's, uh, I think Eno, I think Eno was like, huh, you're stronger than you're, you're just as strong as I'd heard or something like that. But it didn't have no effect on the veil. And, you know, that's pretty surprising. Um, but so now they're on a quest to try to find a weak spot in the veil because that's how they get in. And they say that, you know, usually the curse user that's got the veil down is on the inside. But then Itadori is like, well, you know, there was this one time where the veil was really stronger, stronger than usual. And that's because the curse user was on the outside and, um, you know, and that makes it stronger. So they, now they think that, you know, thinks that the curse user is on the outside as well. So. Yeah. One thing I thought was really interesting during the, uh, basically, you know, talking about, uh, Itadori's strength, was that he's like he's on par with Nanami in physical ability, 
And I was sitting there kind of thinking, I'm like, well, technically he didn't use any cursed energy when he punched the veil. Yeah. So like maybe it would have done more damage because the veil has effect on cursed energy and sorcerers, you know, but I, I guess not. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I know that he was punching it to see if he could like punch through it or whatever or weaken it or something. But I, like I said, like I was saying, um, apparently it's a stronger veil because, uh, the people were on the outside, not the inside. I'm assuming that if they was on the inside, he would have been able to achieve what he was trying to achieve. Um, I'm still not clear how that works. Him punching it, what that does, um, in a way, I'm assuming it weakens it and allows them to kind of enter, kind of enter it or something. Yeah, that's what I would assume. Yeah. Um, but so, some things that uh, Eno was saying, um, uh, when they was having this conversation about the people being on the outside of the veil, uh, said they they discussed and they said that they would probably probably be somewhere that stands out. But my thing is, why would they be somewhere that stands out? Why wouldn't you want to try to be like try to go somewhere that's absolutely hidden? That way, you're harder to find. Like, I didn't understand that. Did you? Yeah, the only thing I can think of is, you know, they would want to be somewhere with a good vantage point so they can actually see the veil if they're on the outside. That way they can make sure it's, you know, still up and it hasn't been destroyed or something like that. And they end up being on top of the so the Shibuya Tower. Is that what they called it? Yeah, it was like uh, Shibuya, Shibuya Central Tower or something like that. So it seems like one of the tallest buildings in Shibuya is what it looked like in the... Uh, the overhead panning or whatever that they did. So, um, but yeah, there's three people up there apparently. And, uh, you know, they're, they're sitting there talking. There's like a, a bald guy and I'm not sure their names. I don't even think they ever said their names, honestly. I don't um, think so. Yeah. There's a bald guy. There's a grandma. And then basically the grandson, um, is what she calls him like a younger, uh, guy. And they're all three up there just chilling and they're talking about, um, you know, they figured, do you, they're like asking, do you think they figured it out? Well, if they ever do figure it out, um, they'll have a hard time getting up here because, uh, the lower floors of this building is all transfigured humans and they're going to have to work through it. <laughs> that didn't last long <laughs> no so yeah Itadori and the gang basically fly up there and Itadori's hanging on to one of Megumi's like cursed birds that he has in his arsenal and he's using this special wire tool he received from Maki and he's like <laughs> flying behind this thing looks like Spider-Man <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking this whole damn time was Itadori a Spider-Man now bro what are we watching <laughs> but so basically they get to the top and there are three veil nails up top you know which are causing the uh the veil to be up and itadori and megumi like tyler said go after the bald guy while ino stays to fight the old lady and the other guy um and one thing he says which i thought was he called her a medium which is basically like somebody who communicates with ghosts so it makes sense but um i was pretty surprised by her ability and we'll get into that later yeah definitely um but uh 
Yeah, and another thing that surprised me is we don't know a lot about Eno's technique right now, but we learned a little. We learned quite a bit about it uh, this episode, and so you know, right off the bat. Eno puts on a mask um, while Itadori Megumi goes after the ball guy. He stays behind and he puts on a mask and he starts getting ready to fight and uh, fight uh, the grandma and the grandson, I guess you can call him. And, and that's about it. And then it kind of steps away from them and shows uh, Itadori like wrapping up the bald guy with this wire tool and, then he falls off the building, basically, because um, he was in midair, and he falls off the building, and Itadori's just, like, swinging around like Spider-Man, like, legit. He's just swinging around with his wire, and I guess trying to follow him and get on the ground while using his wire. I thought that was pretty fun. Um, he's just going through windows and shit with his wire. So Yeah, and he drops uh, the bald guy. And basically down like 42 stories and Isidori crashes through a window so he doesn't actually plummet to his death. But we get <laughs> to the bottom and Megumi and Itadori see the guy lying there and they're like, that's not a lot of damage for somebody who just fell 42 stories. Like, What's going on here? And the dude just gets up. <laughs> he was nuts. Yeah, he was like, oh, I guess it's not working. And uh, he just starts talking and gets up and i'm just like what the fuck <laughs> bro that's nuts man but yeah after that we get a little flashback to Eno, who is a grade two sorcerer eating with an anami and basically saying like i don't want anybody's recommendation but yours to become a first grade sorcerer like i respect you that much that i want your recommendation and it turns out he has not gotten it yet <laughs> Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, is an Anami was like, I don't understand why you want my recommendation when you're, uh, you could get semi first grade off of your technique alone, blah, blah, blah. And that's when he went in to say, you know, uh, I forget his reasoning, something about, um, uh, something personal. He wanted his recommendation. He wanted to do it the right way and all this other stuff. And I applaud him for that, you know. Uh, I mean, he's definitely got his, uh, I guess, heart in the right place, though. Yeah, definitely. It's just he wants the recommendation of somebody he, like, really respects. Yeah. And that's what it boiled down to. But so after that, we go back to Eno fighting the two curse users on top of the roof. And he's using some pretty cool techniques. Like, I thought his technique was really cool. Uh, the first one we see is Auspicious Beast Summer Number 1 Kaichi. And he basically summons like a marked cone. It looks like a drill. We're getting a little Gurren Lagon action here. Yeah. And it's I thought fancy. of that as soon as it, I was like, damn Dan. He's always <laughs> he's got he's got this damn uh uh the drill that pierces heaven or whatever in my Hell stuck yeah. in my brain right Hell now. Oh yeah, dude. Now you're you're getting the you're getting curious. It's working. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but basically, this thing is like a homing bullet, and they get into Eno's seance technique a little bit. By hiding his face, he can become a spiritual medium used to manifest the power of four auspicious beasts. Number two is Reiki, and it's like he summons puddles under his feet that let him like move without friction. So he's like zooming around really quick, dodging attacks, throwing bones. Like it was pretty cool. Yeah, kind of like ice skating, but with water, I guess you could say the best way to explain it. So 
He was sliding around like crazy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he was skiing. <laughs> but yeah, this uh, this grandson, you know, uh, we just now noticed, but he's actually been protecting this old, you know, his grandma this whole time. And we've also just now noticed that she's been chanting as well. And uh, I don't know what she's chanting. It's some weird shit. You know, like normal. It's a seance. <laughs> but anyway. Good definition. Good definition. <laughs> Some weird shit, a.k.a. a seance. Yeah, yeah, that. But she's over here chanting and stuff. And then uh, she's just like, okay, I'm done. I'm. She stops chanting and she says, she's like, it's ready. And so the grandson, he takes out like a little vial, like a bottle um, of I don't even know what it was. Uh, I'm assuming it has something to do with what happens next, but it, he swallows it and, um, he says, or she's saying while he's swallowing it, Zenin Toji. And I'm not sure what Zenin means. That's his last name. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's ending like the Zenin clan. Okay. Okay. I didn't really get into his last name. But anyways, um, this dude full on transformed into Toji, dude, who this... we thought was dead. Well, so she said something along the lines of, I need a corpse to make this happen. So that might be like she takes like the spiritual energy out of the corpse. And that's what was in that vial. I guess I, I'm a, it kind of looked like hard matter, though, that was in that vial, kind of, um, I assume it might have been she might have got her hands on Toji's body, maybe, and and, and her chanting plus a, a part of Toji's body, and she can make somebody else transform into that person. I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah, that was oh. her power. And did you catch the scene where he was like half transformed into Toji? Yeah, that shit was nuts, dude. I was like, "Holy shit!" When I realized what was going on, I was like, "Oh, you know, it's about to get pieced the fuck up." Yeah. Um. So it didn't, you know, it showed us half of his face first, and it wasn't the uh, Toji side; it was like the other side. And then it panned over a little bit more and showed us the full face, and it was half Toji. And I'm like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> this dude went toe-to-toe with gojo and gojo yeah. lost on uh, ghetto know, and yeah. like he's that guy you know toji is one of the strongest people we've seen in this show so far and yeah. uh, when i saw this happen i was like oh Eno's dead dude he's done <laughs> well my first thoughts that went through my head is like you know we we know this is a transformation of some sort uh, and I'm just I'm sitting here wondering, like, does he have all of Toji's abilities or is that limited in some way? But, you know, um, we didn't get to see much of uh, uh, new Toji. But um, basically, you know, tries to use the number four Ryu on him and Toji just rushes him like really fast and basically takes his mask off which nullifies his seance or seance abilities, I guess, technique and just instantly pieces him up and all in one. And I'm like, well, I guess that answers my question. I guess that he's like legit, like Toji, all his abilities are Toji like. So dude came in with the freaking star platinum punches, dude. It was just nonstop 
fist coming at poor Eno. Like it's all yeah. I could think of. I was like, oh my god, this poor bastard's getting taken out by a JoJo character right now, dude. <laughs> but what what made this so tragic is uh, you know, before all this happened, like right before all this happened, uh Eno was going on like a little monologue about how he hates to leave Itadori Megumi by themselves and that Nanami entrusted him to protect them and all that good stuff and that he should hurry up and finish taking down these two guys up here. That way he can go make sure that they're okay. But that's not going to happen because Toji, Toji came out to play. They, they came out to, you know, they came out to kick ass and they, they brought Toji on the battlefield. And honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who can actually stop them um, without Gojo there. So, yeah, I, I I don't know, dude. I mean, the only person I can think of is uh, Utah, but he's not here right now. So, yeah. Um, I mean, do you think do you think uh, Itadori and Megumi has any shot, even with Nanami helping? Maybe the three of them. Like, I mean. Itadori is pretty strong and we don't know if he actually has you know Toji's full cap- capabilities so it'll be interesting to see what happens next episode or if, he, if it even does I don't know yeah I don't know um it's gonna be it's gonna be very this is like a curveball that I didn't see coming I don't think anybody seen coming we thought Toji was long gone and like Dan said, we still don't really know his capabilities because he just pieced up Eno so fast with uh, limited uh, limited uh, interactions. So, um, but yeah. yeah, after that, we get a flashback to December 7th, 1989. So if any of you guys are born on that day, lucky for you, you shared the same birthday as Gojo. That's exciting. <laughs> and it shows the day that Gojo is born. After that, we see yet another flashback with a young girl talking to her dad about her new uniform. And this is taking place when Gojo was a kid, you know, like a probably like eight or nine or something like that. And she's talking to her father and then just stabs him in the back of the neck, like out of the blue. And it turns out the old woman transformed into this girl. And she stated, this is when she stated that she needed a corpse to transfer into someone. And that's her ability and basically she's you know killing people for money is what it sounds like you know this is before gojo so all the cursed users are doing whatever the hell they want uh we see the bald guy in his younger days killing people and like skinning their heads he's like i need to understand how the human body works and he's just ripping people's flesh off like this shit's nuts cutting the back of their head and like sticking sticking his hands in the the gap and just like like separating i don't know it, it, it was, was it was rough to watch honestly it was gnarly <laughs> and then these two get approached by someone um basically saying that there's an all-out bounty on kid gojo for over 100 million yen this isn't this is first come first serve like you got to get in there and you got to go get this so both these people try and set up times to basically assassinate gojo and during this like they just sense Gojo's presence and they are terrified. They're like, there's no way in hell we can take this guy down. Like the woman is in a coffee shop, drinking coffee, looking down at him and ends up like two booths over coffee spilt everywhere. Like she's that scared. The other guy's just sitting on top of a roof, like trembling. 
and Gojo just basically you see a Gojo and he's like, get your weak presence out of here, guys. Like, I ain't got time for this shit. I'm like, damn, Gojo, you're like 10. <laughs> we we was wondering, I, I've always wondered kind of what Gojo was like when he was a kid. Well, think of, you know, the first half of this, uh, this uh, second season. Think of that cocky level and probably multiply that by five. Kojo as a kid was a cocky son of a bitch. <laughs> Definitely. But this whole this whole couple scenes was really just to show how the balance of the world changed with Gojo being born. You know, I mean, he is the pinnacle of sorcery, you know? And it basically just shows how these guys who are running free have now had to go into hiding. And now that Gojo is sealed, they can come out and do their thing again. Yeah. And uh, speaking of that, we get back into uh, Itadori and Megumi uh, tag teaming the bald guy that we had just, you know, uh, kind of. I'm assuming that was him. He had the same eyes and shit. It, it didn't him. really never say. It was 100% so, him. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're still taking on the bald guy. And, uh, you know, they're going, they're going like toe for toe with him. They're like beating the, they're like hitting him hard. Um, they've been doing it for a minute. And, you know, Megumi is just like, he, he's just, he's saying, in order to match Itadori, it's harder to match Itadori's pace. And it takes more effort to match his pace than it does to match actual bad guys. And that just lets you know that Itadori is just on like another level when it comes to, uh, I guess, uh, like physical prowess, I guess you can say. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But this this bald guy who we don't have a name for yet, um, he actually pulled a knife and mid fight after because he's getting pieced up right now, but he's not showing any damage, and he kind of cut Itadori with it, and that's like the first um injury that we've gotten uh in this fight so far. Everybody's been pretty good uh as of yet, and then they're going full on again, and the dude at this dude and he's still not bothered. He's still not sweating. Like he's still not troubled at all. He's, he's not hurt in the least bit. Um, he's still hundred percent. And Itadori Megumi's just like starting to realize that something sus is going on. And, you know, at this point, um, I thought it was the old woman making, uh, making him like, protecting him kind of at this point until until all the stuff happened with toji and then i was like no that's not right there's something else going on but at, at first i thought that was definitely the case so did you have that same thoughts or no no i just thought he probably had a really weird ability and we'll get into that in a little bit but yeah i didn't think i, I knew the old lady had something to do with the grandson because the way they were talking they seemed like they were very familiar with each other you know yeah for sure, and plus they they stayed together kind of, so it it kind of made sense that something else was going on up there. I didn't know it was that caliber though, but did you? Yeah, that? nobody nobody knew it was me to that caliber unless you read the manga. But like that yeah. was really unexpected. <laughs> but yeah, um, then you know after after uh, they tried to like piece him up a lot, and they start realizing something's off, something's sus. And then they're just like, okay, we're going to try another route. And Megumi just straight up says, um, 
you know, shouldn't you be scared? Shouldn't you, you know, just run off somewhere? Because Gojo's here. Did you know Gojo's here? And the ball guy's just like, <laughs> he just laughs. And he's like, I know he's been sealed. That's the whole reason why we're out here. We're out here to have fun. We wouldn't be out here if he was here. So, and I thought that scene was so funny too because last episode just had freaking Inadori up on top of like a skyscraper <laughs> yelling, "Gojo's been sealed!" Like no, let everybody no. know. <laughs> and Inadori's like, "That was a really dumb bluff, bro. Like, what are you trying to do here?" Yeah, I think the I think the old man uh, or the bald guy he even said like. You know, even if I didn't know it was true, but your partner there uh, was literally yelling it for everyone to hear. And I just started laughing. I was like, bro, <laughs> what are y'all doing out here? Trying to bluff him and like, there's no way. So, yeah. And since they had the veil nails, too, which were given to them by uh, Ghetto, like you they know gojo is going to be potentially sealed so like the minute you hear that you're like oh it's game on let's do it you know yeah because they, uh, they had to be given the nails by ghetto like they don't just get those yeah either ghetto or mojito or somebody somebody you know trustworthy i guess give them to him um but yeah basically just calls them out on their bluff and at this point uh megumi says that he figured out his technique and since uh it was kind of sus and he started like watching him and stuff i guess but it's actually called inverse and um basically stronger attacks become weaker and weak attacks become stronger and that's why all this uh all these strong hits from itadori and all these strong like hits from uh megumi has literally done nothing to him because they they was about as weak as someone like me hitting him. Um, yeah. And they was going all out. So, yeah. And Megumi noticed that when he would follow up Itadori's attack, when they were double teaming him, it would like, he'd come in with like a faint, like a lighter attack and it would do more damage. So it was pretty, pretty smart on Megumi's part to realize this. And For that sure. gave them, you know, a way to actually figure out how to take him down. And right after this, um, basically Megumi uses like his rabbit curses like a whole swarm of rabbits to basically like put him in his own little veil. And when he disperses the rabbits, all of a sudden there is a like five ton elephant falling from the sky. (laughs) (laughs) It lands right on the guy and the guy just stops it. I'm like, okay, this is proof right here that his attack is inverse. Cause imagine stopping a two ton elephant landed on you. (laughs) Light as a feather, baby. (laughs) <laughs> after that Itadori literally picks up a car and throws it at him <laughs> and I love this scene because Itadori not only throws it in a, he don't throw it in a straight line like a normal person would he literally throws it and banks it off a top uh, I don't even know what he hit like a like a sign a cement sign or something i don't know i don't remember if it was a uh, sign or a bridge or something like that but yeah it kind of bounces off that and hits him yeah he like uh, banks it banks it and hits him and it doesn't do shit still so yeah crazy dude and then after that they kind of start going all out again itadori's coming in with a strong attack megumi comes in with a weak attack at the same time which hurts him and they just start beating the crap out of him and then the final hit is Itadori comes in with a massive hook. I'm going to say a right hook because he's probably a righty. A massive right hook 
I think he was actually using the Black Flash, was he not? Yeah, and then like the minute before he makes impact, he stops mid punch and then just like taps him <laughs> with a normal punch and just <laughs> takes him out. <laughs> yeah, uh, dude's dude's down uh, for the count now because uh, obviously that hit him just as much as a Black Flash would have. So yeah. And it'd be really interesting to see what happens next episode with Eno and Toji going at it. And if these guys get involved in that fight, so I'm excited for next week. Eno's Eno's done. What do you mean? <laughs> Eno's done, bro. We didn't see him fall, dude. Come on. We we didn't. That's true. We did not see the man fall, but we seen him getting pieced up and blood flying everywhere. <laughs> so we'll have to find out. I'm pretty sure it wasn't Toji's blood, so... No, definitely not. <laughs> but awesome. So that's all we have this week with it being a, a light week on the rundown. I figure we still we still did a pretty good job dragging it out for you, for everybody listening during the week. Uh, just again, friendly reminder, we are doing that poll in our Discord, and we'll have it on our Twitter shortly. Make sure to listen to the DGENs. We're not going to go in-depth on these shows. We're going to talk about what, what we like and what we dislike you know, where the plot's going and things like that. So it'd be a good introduction before you want to watch them. And if you already have watched them, you know, you can kind of listen to our light analysis on it. Yeah, make sure to join the Discord. Check out Twitter, linktree.com slash animatedgen so you can put your input in on the next two shows coming to the weekly rundown. If you haven't yet, make sure to rate the podcast whatever platform you're listening to. If you have any questions about the shows we're watching or you'd like us to discuss during the weekly rundown, if you get them in there before Monday around like 5 p.m. Eastern time, we should be able to see them and get them on the rundown, uh, you know, our discussion. And um, yeah, appreciate you guys listening. We'll catch you on Thursday for the bullshit hour. Peace, guys. Later.